Hi everyone, it's been a really long time. I honestly just needed a break from everything. Um, so let me reintroduce myself, just in case you've never heard an episode of Queer Radio, or you've never been here before, or this is your first time being in this space. Um, hello, my name is Lunex. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a Latinx queer educator and abolitionist. And I've been talking about my mom's death um, for the past five years, but it's been about three years since I've uploaded a stream of consciousness about my thoughts about death um, to the internet. During this time, these past three years, um, I've changed my name. (laughs) I got two jobs. I moved out of my family house. I decided uh, before recording this episode, I wanted to watch my old YouTube videos about my mom and see if I've grown or changed in the past five years. And I said everything I needed to hear. My past self (laughs) decided to just drag me in the future, but here I am. And so this is just me talking to the void as if I had a therapist. Um, who's listening to me and validating me, but I just wanted this to be out there. So, here we go. I miss my mom every day. I'll miss her until the day I die. My mom was a badass. She helped me become the person I am today. Through her faults, through her strengths, I am forever grateful for her teachings. Now I'm lucky, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. I have photos of my mom, I have photos with my mom. Um, I was fortunate enough for her to record a voicemail on my old cell phone in high school, and I'm going to play that for everyone right now. Mom, give me a call. I need to know when you coming home. I have this piece of her, you know, this this voice that there's times where I never truly forget what my mom sounded like, but sometimes I forget the way that she talked to me or who she was when she walked through this earth. And I'm realizing now more and more that the memory of her is all I have, the voice, male, basically telling <laughs> me to call her back um, because every Latino parent's like, where are you? Where, you didn't tell me? Who are their parents? I didn't approve of this. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so I'm just really happy that I had a mom like her. She always supported me. She was the only person that would have ever fought for me. I remember um, in high school, it was my junior year, and my old track coach was being an asshole because I was injured that track season, and apparently our home meet, which is like a home track meet at your high school, um, I wasn't going to run, you know, I wasn't going to race, I didn't have my racing flats, I didn't even have my like running shoes, and he like comes at me, and he's like, I'm not going to say my dad name, but, you know, 
insert dead name here. What are you doing? Where are your running shoes? And I'm like, I'm injured. And he's like, get your shoes. And I'm like, why? And he's like, get your shoes. And I'm like, why? And then this is literally happening in front of the whole team because we're all here. And he keeps saying, like, get your shoes. And I keep saying, why? He doesn't answer me. And then he decides to tell me, okay, you need to get your shoes. Don't think about leaving because if you leave, you're off this team. Wild. Wild. Like, what? Like, I wasn't a troublemaker. I didn't skip, like, practice or I didn't fake an injury. Um, my growth plates in my knees were fucked up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, like, people around me were like, what the fuck? And, like, some of my friends were like, you can just borrow my shoes. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll just call my mom. It's, it's, it's fine. So I call her, you know. The only person I could think of at that time, like, who's going to pick up? Who's not at work? Um, like, working out of the home. Because my mom was always working. Because housework is work, and we need to fucking... <laughs> give people credit for that shit and recognize that shit and pay people more <laughs> for their time and their labor um, in this, you know, invisible economy. And so I call her and I ask her like, hey, um, so can you like bring my running shoes? I guess, you know, my coach wants me to wear them. I don't know why. And my mom's like, what? Why? You're injured. And I was like, I know. I told He knows that. I I don't know why he's like yelling at me and my mom's like do you want me to go to the principal's office like this isn't okay and I'm like it's it's okay as in terms of like I think it's fine if I could just get my shoes I think that's like the only thing that matters right now so my mom like drives we don't live that far from our high school you know we have that that privilege so my mom gets there she like hands me my track bag like over the fence right and I like get the bag and my mom's like looking me dead in the eye and she's like, do you want me to go to the principal's office? Because I will. I was like, listen. If I was as confident of a person as I am today, I would have told my mom, go to the principal's office. Get my, my track coach fired for being a piece of shit to so many people um, on my team. You know, if you weren't good at this sport, you didn't matter. Um, no matter how hard you tried, no matter how many practices you showed up to, no matter how many days you ran on that team, you were worthless unless you brought something of value to the team. So I come back with my running shoes, right? And then my coach looks at me dead in the eyes, right? And he's like, oh, great. Okay, you can just do some laps around the track. That was it. All of that disagreement, all of that fighting was just for me to run around the track for a couple laps. I could have done that without my shoes on. I could have done that with my socks on, just my socks, you know, like my running clothes or whatever around the turf, less impact for my knees. I have no idea. I don't know if that was like a power thing. I don't know if it's trying to intimidate me. Uh, but that was the last straw, <laughs> and I quit that team, and I didn't run my senior year, and 
I don't think I would have challenged myself if my mom didn't say those things. If my mom wasn't the person to be like, hey, that's not okay. What are you doing about it? You can't let this continue. You can't stay silent. And so I miss having that. <laughs> I miss having that fierce energy surrounding me. I, I miss having someone um, who's in my corner, you know, who's always supporting me 100% in the way that a mom should care for their child. Um, you know, I love my chosen family. I love the family that I've surrounded myself with, but no one can ever replace my mom's spirit. And that's, you know, nothing bad towards anyone in my life. It's just that person doesn't exist anymore and it will never exist. And I have to accept that. Um, Thanksgiving and Christmas are some of the hardest holidays for me. Uh, every year, I miss my mom. Uh, I miss my mom's cooking. Uh, my dad's a good cook. Nothing against my dad. Thank you for cooking. And like your meals, love them. But, but mm, my mom is better. Like, let's be real. She was a better cook. She used a lot more spices. She was a lot more creative in the kitchen. Um, and so like, miss that. Miss that every day. Um, we always talked about, my mom and I, we always joked about, you know, taking a cooking class together or cooking together. And that was just my excuse, my way to spend time with my mom and, and learn things about her culture and learn things about my culture and, um, you know, learn how to cook and not be useless. Um, I never did. I never did. Life always got in the way. You know, life responsibilities always kept getting in the way. Christmas time, um, we would watch all of the Hallmark movies, all of the terrible movies that you see in like the really like you know white-centered, heteronormative, like the savior, you know, the white savior complex, the damsel in distress type thing. All of those tropes, right? All of those really horrible romantic comedy tropes um, in movies. So my mom and I decided one Christmas we were going to watch all of the Hallmark movies, like every single one of them. Um, and back in the day when people had cable, people still have cable, but like, you know, they're, they're trying to get rid of that, like it's a scam, um, <laughs> just like any corporation. So anyway, so when we had cable back in the day, we had something called a DVR. And basically a DVR was um, a memory system in your cable box that would record shows for you. So say a show is playing at 8 p.m. and you want to watch it, but hey, am I going to be home? Maybe I have something else to do. No, it's okay. I'll DVR it. I'll record it. It will be saved. I can play it back. I can delete it. I can watch it again. Um, so we would do that. We would record every single Hallmark movie every single one the one that started at 9 a.m the one that started at 11 the one that started at 3 the one that started at 7 the one that started at 10 the one that's like every single one of them and we would just watch them every single day we just have a marathon and uh, we would just laugh and and we would just think of like what the fuck like why are people like this and to this day, I don't know who needed that more. Who needed those movies more? 
her or myself. You know, maybe she wanted someone like that. Maybe she wanted to feel special. Maybe she wanted to feel special too. Maybe she wanted those big gestures of love. Maybe she wanted someone to tell her, thank you more. I'll never know. Now, I don't want to sit here and say that our relationship is perfect. You know, my mom was not a saint. She was not an angel in any way, shape, or form. Um, She did have her demons. She did have her problems. She did have her faults. Um, And so our relationship wasn't the easiest. We would often fight about, you know, quality. We would fight about equal rights for, you know, people in the gay community, people that are queer. Um, When I was growing up, um, in middle school, they talked about um, Prop 8, so there was a lot of propaganda. Uh, I lived in, I have lived most of my life in a conservative town, so most of the people um, were conservative, Republican. My parents were both Republican. Um, they, you know, grew up in Cuba. That's where they lived. That was a dictatorship, a communist dictatorship. Um, and so they're very jaded when it comes to governments government control and I'm also like fucking like fuck the government Um, I'm an abolitionist I want to remove the government I want to abolish the government power to the people so we shared a lot of ideals but she was definitely more scared of the government so she wanted more freedom of the people but when you think about that from a two-party system they're both flawed they're both problems they're both the problem and we need to remove ourselves from that system but let me just jump off my soapbox so anyway so she um like so many people around me during this time did not like gay people they thought they were gross they called them derogatory words like faggot pussy um no one liked seeing gay people in public no one liked seeing people that were different or um, that weren't heteronormative or didn't look straight, um, you know, had piercings, tattoos, colored hair, spoke in a certain way, dressed in a certain way, presented themselves in a certain way, um, because they didn't want to be confronted with that on a day in, day out. Um, and I've had a lot of conversations with my parents, a lot of disagreements, a lot of fighting, and I would, I would always choose, like, fighting in the car. Like, I don't know why. Every time I had, like, something important to say, something that was on my mind, or, like, something how I was feeling, I just would, like, always say it in a car. Every single time. And I'm like, it's never the right time. Like, bruh, they're driving. You're in the car. You should not be fighting someone while they're driving. Um, That's probably why I don't like driving now. (laughs) Some trauma coming up. Um, But I literally just can't believe that so many people have these viewpoints and how how many people still think that gay people shouldn't have rights and queer people shouldn't exist and you know luckily we've come a long way and we're still fighting for the same things we fought for 60 years ago um but here we are so here we here we go (laughs) going deep to the trauma that is my family Uh, So I had a very specific memory that I still have to this day 
you know, with my relationship with my mom and her ignorance. So let's take a trip down memory lane to spring break 2014, almost one year before my mom died. We just finished having an amazing day at Disneyland, um, California Adventures. It was me, my dad, I don't know if my brother was there. I don't think my brother was there. Um, I wanted to celebrate my spring break, and so my parents were like, let's go to Disneyland uh, and California Adventures because privilege. Um, so we rode all the rides, right? We rode all my favorite rides, Big Thunder Mountain. Love that ride. I will ride that ride 400 bajillion times in a row. Um, <laughs> one of my best friends, we went to Disneyland um, last year. She knows <laughs> my obsession with that ride. Um, so yeah, Big Thunder Mountain, the Matterhorn, the Haunted Mansion, that's my top three. Um, you can fight me, that's fine. <laughs> but my mom and I love those rides. My mom and I loved riding roller coasters together. Uh, my mom and I were those annoying people, those annoying ass people on a roller coaster, screaming every five seconds, whether it was like a drop, whether it was like a slow buildup, a you know, like something like something like that, you know, like we would be those people screaming in the dark when nothing is happening at all. So just imagine, just imagine the Matterhorn. If you've never been on the Matterhorn, it's a mountain and you start off in a dark tunnel, pitch black. Then you start slowly going up the mountain. You know, you're climbing, you're like... So imagine, so imagine two people sitting close to each other because the seating did change um, recently at Disneyland. So before you would be sitting on someone's lap and you would share a seatbelt. So we were, we were like super close. So we would be screaming pitch black and all you could hear is like the louder wrestling parts of the roller coaster and two people screaming for no reason. <laughs> Other than just, like, pure joy, like, we're screaming, like, what are you going to do about it? Um, um, and those were my favorite moments. Those are my favorite moments. Those are the moments that I will take with me until I forget everything that this world had and who these people are. And, you know, my favorite parts <laughs> was when grown-ass adults would turn around and just look at me and my mom and be like, and I'm just like, we're having fun. That's what Disneyland is about. Having fun and stealing money. <laughs> so yeah, I just, honestly, I cherish those memories to this day. So we just finished having that amazing time, right? Those amazing memories, pissing people off. So everything was perfect, basically, you know. There was probably some little things here and there, like the weather, we were hungry, we were tired, we were thirsty, you know, all the things. So we're finishing up our, our day, we're watching World of Color, um, a California adventure. It's basically a water show where they project different scenes um, of different movies. They played, like, the really tragic scene of Lion King, and I don't know why they played that. I mean, like, it was it's a good scene and it's like so important, but like there's like seven year olds and like four year olds watching this and they're like, what's happening? Is Did they die? So all this shit, right? So we're just having a good time watching the world of color. I don't remember how this conversation started or how it came to be, but all I remember is my mom was having a conversation 
with a young couple. They were either 18 or 23. I have no idea. I think it was like 16 at the time. I really couldn't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference between like adults and like children at that age because I was a literal child. Um, so one of the people in the relationship or, you know, the close partnership or whatever it was, um, one of them had their arms wrapped around the other from behind, you know, so just like picture that couple in an intimate moment, my mom's laughing with them, having a good conversation with them. I noticed that both of them were both masculine presenting. Um, I don't remember what they wore. I don't remember their names, what they sounded like, um, but they had a more masculine presence. Um, so that's cool. So they finished their conversation, all of them, right? So the show's over, the park's closed now, our family is now walking to the exit to get on like the, the tram, to get to the car, to drive all the way from Anaheim, California, all the way to Santa Clarita, California, which is very far, <laughs> uh, at 11 p.m. with me, <laughs> troublemaker, you know, I, that I am. And so my mom literally just, as we're walking, she was like, that was so disgusting. And I'm like, what, what happened? Like, did you smell someone fart? Like, did you step on gum? Did someone like cough in someone's face? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and she didn't like the fact that they were gay, that this couple was at Disneyland being affectionate in public, hugging and kissing apparently um, in the open. And, you know, me being an opinionated, closeted kid, <laughs> I called bullshit on that. And I was saying things like, you didn't seem to have a problem with it when you were talking to them. Why do you care? They're happy. You don't have to make comments like that. And she didn't want to have that conversation at 11 p.m., right? You know, spend the whole day having a great time only to be sitting in a car uncomfortably with your child, having disagreements, trying to get home and trying to sleep and uh, <laughs> trying to wake up the next day and not feel so discombobulated with the world. Um, so we didn't. We didn't have a conversation. We didn't talk about it. We never brought it up again. Um, and I don't blame her. I don't. So why do you think I shared that story? Why do you think that was so important for me to share? Well, fast forward now one year to my last family vacation in Miami, Florida. It was our first trip to Miami without our, without my brother. I think he was working at the time. When we arrived in Miami, uh, we were driving. Uh, we started our journey in Alabama. I believe, <laughs> I forget. Timelines are so, so weird now. But we were um, at a wedding for... I believe he's my cousin. I genuinely don't know, but he's related to me by my mom's side, I believe. If I don't, if I am pretty positive, um, if I don't get it correct or whatever the timeline, it's literally someone in my family is getting married in Alabama. Um, we had a, it was a really great wedding. We're now driving. We arrived in Miami, Florida. Um, and my mom, you know, starting off this trip in Miami, she was just having a really hard time breathing. And her health was just taking a turn. 
and we were visiting family. A lot of our family um, still lives in Miami. Uh, we still see a lot of relatives. We talk to a lot of relatives still from Miami. Um, and so my mom was just not having a good time. And so, you know, our hotel was right by the beach. And so my dad and I decided to go, you know, spend time at the beach. My mom was resting. Um, so she did that for the first couple of days and she was just like, I can't, I'm in so much pain. I, I need to go. Like, I need to go to the hospital. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And so, um, you know, before she went into the hospital, she told us that she was talking to her doctor for the past six months, telling her like, Hey, my breathing is like getting worse. It's not improving. Her doctor would run tests every, you know, every once in a while, every time she came back to the office and everything came back normal, there was no problems, but my mom knew her body. Like so many women around the world, they're not believed. They're not taken seriously. They're passed off. They're saying like, oh, you're, you're overreacting. You're making it up. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. But my mom wasn't fine. But she trusted her doctor. This was the best doctor in the state. He helped her when she had two kidney transplants. She helped her when she had open heart surgery in 2013. She helped her when she had two kids, even though she wasn't supposed to, because she could have died in labor. Um, and in, this person helped her battle her lupus that she'd had all of her life from a very young age since she was, you know, 20 years old, 21. And unfortunately, you know, she needed to go. She needed to go to the ER. So our happy little family was, you know, vacation was cut short. When she got admitted into the hospital, they found fluid in her lungs. So they drained the fluid. Um, I guess one of the nurses didn't realize my mom was allergic to a certain type of medication. They put it in her IV, the medication that she's allergic to. And because of that, her kidney started failing. So her kidney's failing now. She had fluid in her lungs. They ran some heart tests because she did have open heart surgery. They found out that um, the main valve that they replaced in 2013 is now failing. And another valve, a smaller valve in her heart was also failing. And she also has lupus. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, this isn't Grey's Anatomy, but this is real life. Um... And so here she is, you know, dying on her deathbed with her heart failing her. Now, I didn't think my mom was going to die. I mean, we all have hope, right? We all have hope that they're going to make it, that they're going to be the one to overcome this, that they're going to come home. They're going to come home stronger and we're going to have another 30 years together 20 years together they're gonna my mom's gonna see me graduate college my mom's gonna see me get into a relationship and find love and all of these things my parents bless them but <laughs> my mom is a fighter you know she survived so much 
She had two kidney transplants. Her first kidney was in her body for seven years, and then it failed. She got another kidney. She had two kids while she had lupus. Um, I don't know how she survived. I, well, actually, I understand why she survived. Both of them were premature. Both of them were C-sections, so probably less um, labor-intensive on her body. Um, she probably recovered a lot. I was in the hospital for like a month after my my birth. I was 28 days early, um, but she's still breathing, you know? She's still fighting. Um, she still fought. She still did all of these things. She still cooked food for us. She still drove me to every... Um, school extracurricular I had cross-country track she took me to school and when I learned how to drive I would drive myself to school but she would still drive me um, to places that were really far because I was scared of the freeway all of these things right so I was like my mom is not gonna die this is not how our story ends this is not how her story ends she's too important to end like this She's too important of a person to die in this way. Well, our vacation was over. And we had a decision. Do we stay longer in Miami? Or do we go back home? You know, it was my mom. My mom's mom was there. My dad. Myself. Um. And so my dad decided that it would be best for me to go back home because we had a dog <laughs> at the time and we had to pick him up from um, our dog sitter and uh, my grandma. <laughs> she had a, we needed to make sure she was okay. Um, and so, you know, we got on a plane. I think it was me, my grandma, and my dad. Um, we got home, all of these things, and then we stayed there. Like my grandma, uh, I believe, I think she stayed with my aunts or some relatives. I don't remember exactly where she was at this time, but I was home. I was home alone. Um, I was with my dog. I was taking care of him every day, walking him, feeding him, you know, spending time with him. Everything was fine. I was sleeping. I heard the doorbell. I was like, oh, someone's here. Someone, I don't know, someone's trying to like deliver something, trying to sell something. I don't know what's up. So I just like open, I like check. I'm like, who's that? And it's my whole family, like my whole extended family, my godmother, my aunts, my uncles. And I'm like, what the fuck? Do I know what's going on? I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's what's going on right now. So I open the door and I'm like, hey, everyone, like, hi, with hi come in with how can i help you type thing you know being a host being a cuban you know when people come to your house you're like okay time to make coffee uh, okay time to get some snacks time to like play some music you know play some dominoes where the dominoes out <laughs> and so we're like we're just i'm wondering what's going on they're all coming inside the house they're all quiet they're all looking at me and i'm just like i have no idea what's going on and so i'm just like talking like hey like what's going on like is, is everyone okay my my aunt stops me in the hallway and she just like puts her arms on my shoulder and this is my mom's sister my mom's sister also is lupus um i think it's a different form of lupus i'm not sure but she also has lupus so she like puts her arms on my shoulders and she 
uses my dead name and she was like your mom's dead and I'm like what no 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 she's not dead and my aunt's like she died this morning of heart failure and I'm like what the and I just lost it <laughs> And I remember I was just not saying anything for hours at my house. And, you know, my family's like, are you hungry? It's really early in the morning. Um, all of these things, right? And so I was like, can we go to IHOP? <laughs> can I get some pancakes? <laughs> so we go, right? We go to IHOP. Me and my, my godmother. Um, we have pancakes. And my godmother was like, hey, uh, your cousins have a graduation today. Do you want to go? I'm like, fuck it. Sure, let's go to a graduation. My my cousins were graduating sixth grade. And so, like, I was there. I was, I was ready, right? I, we drove all the way to where they live. We went to their sixth grade graduation. I had, you know, spent time with them, joked around with them. I had no idea that these kids knew. I had no idea that these kids knew that my mom died, but I thought they didn't know. And so I was like, okay, time to put on a face, right? Time to pretend like everything is okay. Time to be that Latinx person and pretend like your family is fine. And so here we are. <laughs> I'm having fun. I'm entertaining and like spending time with them. And then a little bit later during the day, like my cousins who are younger than me is like, hey, we know. And I'm like, oh. I didn't know that, you know, they're like, yeah, they told us. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> like, don't repeat that. But I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know that you knew at all. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry. They were like, we're sorry. What the heck? <laughs> um, and I'm to that day, to this day, you know, I'm grateful that my family told me in that way. I'm grateful we went to IHOP. I'm grateful that I went to a graduation on the day that my mom died and I got to see some joy in people's eyes. And my parents are a lot of Latino parents, Latinx parents that don't openly talk about difficult subjects with their kids. You know, my dad didn't really talk to me about sex. My parents didn't talk to me about sexual assault, domestic violence. They didn't talk to me about gay people. They didn't talk to me about pregnancy or getting people pregnant or using condoms or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, I didn't know that my mom and my dad were not going to call my brother from Miami, from the hospital, and tell my brother, hey, your mom is dying. They were just going to pretend like they weren't in the hospital. They didn't want to burden him. And I'm like, looking at my parents, and I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't put him through that. Like, I'm begging them. I'm like, please reconsider. It won't be right. <laughs> um, my, my dad eventually called my brother. You know, they talked about everything, and I really don't know how my brother would have coped if he'd never got that phone call. 
Um, and I'm glad they did that. And I'm glad they said something. Because um, I don't know how my brother would have coped. And, you know, it's been a few days now. And I'm getting ready to leave the hospital. And my mom and I are just having a conversation. I think my dad was getting food and from the hospital cafeteria. Um, and so my mom and I were just talking and just spending time together, watching TV. And then she told me that she wasn't going to leave the hospital. She told me she was going to die there. And I'm like, no, mom, you're not going to die. Like, you're okay. You're fine. But I, she was being serious. Like, she was saying, like, this is, I'm saying my last breaths. I'm saying my goodbyes to you type thing. Um, but I didn't know that. You know, I'm, I'm literally... In, in college now, I'm in the middle of my sophomore year, I think, or starting my junior year. Um, you know, I had a, a good job, friends, somewhat. Some of them are shitty and blackmailing me and piece of shit. <laughs> but I remember my mom telling me that this was it. She knows. That she knows her body. She knows that she can't fight this anymore that this is her time. This is my mother. She was the person that drove me to school every day since pre-K. This was the mother who was my biggest supporter. She watched all of my work YouTube videos because I made YouTube videos um, in college for my university. Um, and they were boring. I mean, she would tell me that. She was like, that was really boring today. And I'm like, you know what? It really was, mom. It really was. There was not a lot going on. <laughs> um, and she was the person that would wake up at 5 a.m. Because I had a first period in high school. I needed to be at my high school at 5.45 in the morning. So my mom would literally wake up at 5.15 every day. And I would wake her up. She would wake up. She would, like, make me breakfast. Um... She, she would make herself coffee, because normally she would wake up at 8.30, but, um, you know, we would spend the morning together, then she would drive me to school. Um, I don't know if she drove home and took a nap. I have no idea. But, like, she literally drove me to school at five, every, every day, every day until I learned how to drive. Um, she also drove me to every cross-country race, every cross-country invitational. Um, she drove me to every track meet that I didn't drive on the bus for. Um, she was that person. She was the mom that I needed in that moment. She was my support system. She never stopped being amazing. And now I had to live without her, you know? Now I had to say goodbye. And I wasn't ready. No one is ready. No one's ever prepared to say goodbye for the last time to your parents or to your best friend or to your sibling. No one fucking prepares you for that shit. And so I said goodbye, you know, I said, I love you. Um, I said, you know, I don't know if I said to you soon, probably did, but I remember I said, I love you. And I, you know, walked away and I turned around and I saw her, you know, with the nurse and every part of me just wanted to run and give her a hug and say, I love you. This is my last moment with you. Just know that I love you. 
thank you. I didn't. I didn't run. And I went home. So there's a lot of things I didn't get to do, didn't get to say with with her, didn't get to talk to her about. I didn't get to come out to her. <laughs> During this time, I, I was actually talking to someone. I was actually talking to someone um, online, you know, like every person <laughs> during that time. Talking to someone online and, you know, building this connection with someone for the first time and feeling supported and feeling appreciated. And I wanted to tell my mom, like, hey, mom, like, hey, I, I, I am gay. I am gay. <laughs> um, I... I am talking to to men now. <laughs> I am attracted to to people <laughs> of the opposite sex, <laughs> the uh, of a different gender than me. Um, that is not a woman or a female. Uh, I didn't get to do that. You know, I didn't get to tell her that I was talking to this this great guy. Or I didn't get to tell her that I was gay. I you know I didn't get to call her. After I got an amazing internship with Planned Parenthood, I couldn't tell her that my life got better. I couldn't tell her that I met some amazing people in college, some people that that are my family. Um, I couldn't tell her that people stopped bullying me. I started standing up for myself and stopped being a victim. Um, friends stopped leaving me. Friends stopped betraying me. I couldn't call her to tell her our dog had died. Um, I couldn't call her or tell her that my dad, her husband, also got diagnosed with kidney disease six months after that vacation. I couldn't call her. She couldn't, she couldn't come to my graduation. She couldn't come to my honors convocation or my induction ceremony. Um, into uh, a journalism honor society. Basically, it was just people that were really good in the program. <laughs> I, I don't know what it actually did for me. Um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't tell her anything. I couldn't tell her any news. And all I had was her grave. And I would go to her grave. And I remember when I had a really difficult breakup. And I was really sad and I just needed my mom, right? You just need your mom. And so I would just go to her all the time, and I would just sit with her and spend time with her, and I would visit her every chance I could, her birthday, holidays, and I would just sit there. I wanted to spend more time with her this Mother's Day, but it was raining, and I was like, I don't want to get sick. Um, and it was, like, during, like, the middle of the quarantine stuff, and I was like, okay, I just, I need it, I just need it, I need to go, like, I love you, mom, I told you everything that I need to tell you, um, but I need, I need to go, I'm getting, I might get sick, um, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to get a cold, and so, you know, I didn't get to tell her all the things, but, hey, I didn't get to tell her, hey, mom, I took your advice, and I had sex before marriage, <laughs> um, and I couldn't tell her my chosen name, I couldn't be my authentic self with her. There's a lot of reasons, right? Like, she didn't um, like gay people. She didn't think that they deserved any type of rights or any type of things in this world. And 
you know, I didn't know until my mom died that her brother died. He died from HIV complications, um, which developed into AIDS. So he technically did die from AIDS, um, but he had HIV during the 90s. So that was during the HIV um, epidemic, the crisis. There was a lot of stigma, a lot of shame um, surrounding gay people and gay sex and the morality of it, the sinful nature of it, which it is not a sin. Um, people can have gay sex just like they can have any type of sex. Um, and, and I'm just going to be honest, people have anal sex and that's not just gay people. Straight people have anal sex. So y'all need to like figure that shit out. <laughs> um, and so my mom had that growing up. She had that stigma. She probably held that trauma, right, of losing her, her brother to a disease, to a horrible disease, an incurable disease, with no support, no medications at the time that were effective and that were ultimately just prolonging their their life long enough until they died. Um, and so my, my uncle died, uh, you know, of HIV. So I can't say that's probably why my mom was homophobic, but it's probably a big indicator why she didn't want me to be gay or anyone to be gay because she didn't want someone to be in pain or to get sick and die. Like, that's my hopeful, optimistic side. Um, but, you know, she was also very religious, but a little bit later on in her life, she started reading the Bible and she was reading it. And I'm like, there's just horrible things in the Bible. And I'm like, go off, mom. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. And she's like, this is a scam. Like, I don't have to go to church to be religious. I was like, tell me more, mom. Tell me more. Words of wisdom. Go off, go off, go off. Uh, and so this is for you, mom. This is for you. This is all the times that I wanted to thank you, but I never did. And I should have. And I'm sorry. So here I go. Thank you for reading every book to me in elementary school because I couldn't read. Thank you for typing all of my papers in high school because you could type 70 words a minute and I was sucking at typing. Thank you for trusting me again after I lied to you all in high school because I was failing classes and I was depressed because I was gay and I didn't know what to do. Uh, thank you for having lunch with me every day. Um, when I started going off campus my junior and senior year, I would just go home, have lunch with my mom, drive to practice, <laughs> um, and that was my life. Thank you for supporting me when my first girlfriend broke up with me and I ripped up our, our picture together and threw it in the trash and then you looked in the trash and were like, how you doing? <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for watching all of those Hallmark movies with me. Thank you for always wanting to decorate the Christmas tree. For always wanting to celebrate with me. Always asking me how I'm doing. Always calling me. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for all the letters you wrote me. Thank you for believing in me. And most of all, thank you for being proud of me. I know. <laughs> I thought I could hold it together. I thought I, I thought I wasn't going to cry, but I cried and I just let it out. 
So thank you. Thank you for listening to my my honest truth. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for taking the time to be here, to listen to me, to support me. It's taken me a long time to be the person I am today. The long, the taking me, excuse me, taking me a long time to be happy. So if you want to support me in my journey, um, I'm creating content again. I started creating content in 2013, 2015. Um, I stepped away from the internet. It was a really dark place for me, and and now I'm I'm back. I'm healthier, I'm happier, and, and I, I have something to say, and I want to say it. So if you want to support me, feel free to follow me on this platform. Feel, for, feel free to follow me on Instagram. I'll have all of my handles in my bio. Um, and feel free to reach out to me if you need support, or if you're related to this, or you just need to talk about something. I'll be here. So thank you. And I'll see you when I see you. Bye.